Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Oh yeah, baby. You know, Mitch. We love the Cougars. Mitch Harper. Good afternoon, Cougar Nation, and welcome to a new edition of the Cougar Tracks podcast on kslsports.com. I'm your BYU insider, Mitch Harper. It's Wednesday, August 3rd, one month from today. BYU football will be back against the South Florida Bulls down in Tampa, Florida. The new sombrero, well, it's about 25 years old. I don't think it could be called the new sombrero anymore, but... We're one month away till Cougar football is back on an actual game. The good news is BYU football is back at the student-athlete building as they report to camp today. BYU football players report to camp. Today we'll discuss that report day. Also, the outlook for BYU football fall camp 2022. And then some other news and notes to hit on in the podcast as well. A former Utah AD chimes in on whether the Utes should join the Big 12. Some interesting thoughts there. And then BYU basketball, their final West Coast Conference schedule is released. Some of my observations from that. Keep in mind, the Cougar Tracks podcast is streaming live Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on the KSL Sports YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter pages. It's also available in podcast form on all major podcasting platforms and the KSL Sports app. But we start things off with BYU football players reporting to camp today. This is always an exciting day because it means football is officially here for the new season. Uh, You you know, coaches typically say the new season starts in January when winter conditioning gets going. That's when the new year begins. Uh, But, you know, it's it's different for the everyday person who's working their 9 to 5, keeping, uh, staying busy, and football season is now. And it's like Christmas Day for the equipment crew. Uh, Billy Nixon put in a lot of work to get the equipment room and the work dialed in and looking sharp uh, when he was the equipment manager. Now it's Josh Hewitt taking over that realm. And the equipment room looks a lot better than it once did. I remember on equipment check-in days when the student-athlete building was built, you'd see those old ABC banners, ESPN, it kind of looked like a dungeon in there. There was always these towering wall of orange Nike boxes, but then there was just kind of this dungeon-looking thing. Uh, Nixon and his team revamped it quite a bit over the past year and a half or so. 
got some new paint in there. They got a history of of uniforms on the wall, which is really cool. I think Vandy Creations uh, put those together. But it's a big day. They, they get their equipment, and it sets the tone. The meetings take place today, setting the tone for what BYU football fall camp is going to look like when they take the field tomorrow afternoon. The outlook for BYU fall camp, I, I think this is this has been a quiet offseason for Kalani Satake's team, and he would honestly want that by design. You know, Kalani is a guy that doesn't want much of a spotlight. He wants all of the recognition to come when the season is taking place and the games and and BYU's winning football games. There's potential for a special season this year for BYU, and I think that's what has this season feeling so, has so much excitement. One, it's the last year of independence. Two, you got the Big 12 on the horizon. And then three, you could win big. BYU's coming into this year, back-to-back double-digit win seasons. They very well could have a third. The thing I would say, though, to that is that this schedule is a lot tougher than any of the previous schedules the previous two years. And I think that it's going to be a bigger grind on on BYU because the quality of the opponents from start to finish is a lot better. This is the first year where you don't have just a, a block of games that you automatically chalk up to wins. Every year in Independence, there's been at least three, maybe four games where you say, that's an automatic victory. That's not there this year. Even Liberty is a game that, by the midway point of the season, maybe could be a toss-up, depending on where where the teams are at health-wise and things like that. But there's a, a, a bright outlook for BYU football in 2022. And I think one of the things with fall camp as well is, you know, you, you kind of always hope that everyone stays healthy. How realistic is that? I don't know if that's realistic because you always kind of have to bank on maybe one or two guys are probably going to get hurt. It just it happens for whatever reason, whether it's spring ball, fall camp, there's always just one or two injuries that it's kind of a setback. I think back in the Bronco Mendenhall years, I remember, I think it was 2007, Russell Tialavea, he goes down with an ACL injury in fall camp during a scrimmage, and you're thinking, oh, man, that's one of the top defensive linemen. What are they going to do? And then Ethan Manumaliuna emerges. So there's always that next man up, but when you're playing a quality of a schedule that BYU is this year, you can't afford to have those injuries. And that's one of the things that I think is a, is, is an interesting component to camp is, you know, I asked Fessy Satake this at Media Day, in particular with the wide receivers, because when you have guys like Gunnar Romney and Puka Nakua, you know what they can do. You just, you know that they are going to be top performers for this BYU team. How do you juggle getting them ready for the games but also still putting them in practices to where they're fine-tuning their craft and mastering and, and maximizing this playbook. Everyone pretty much knows the playbook. And that's what's interesting, too, about this fall camp is that it's not, to me, a situation of install heavy. We're not, I don't know if we're going to hear many of the terms install from the coaches during this camp. It's going to be more about refining and getting game ready and, and just having a deeper understanding and deeper knowledge of the playbook than ever before. And I think there's going to be more wrinkles added, I would imagine. That's one of the storylines that I'm curious to see going into camp 
is what changes does Aaron Roderick give to Jaron Hall and in this offense? Because I think that offensively, Jaron Hall is in a quarterback-friendly system. Aaron Roderick makes it, uh, I don't want to say simple, uh, because I think the playbook has been expanded quite a bit since Aaron Roderick joined this staff. But I think that, you know, there's so much trust in Jaron. This is Jaron's fifth year at BYU. I think that, you know, what wrinkles does Roderick throw into the offense? Is there a few more design runs for Jaron? I, I would probably err on the side of caution with that just because of how valuable Jaron is. But that big playability from Jaron is undeniable. When do you pick your spots and something like that? Not in camp, but in the playbook in general coming up in the season. And I think another thing with fall camp too, and I've talked about it before, is is give some opportunities to young guys to show what they can do for the Big 12 future. Uh, that's always a great spot. You know, sometimes you'll maybe give a first-team rep to a guy that, you know, we might see in the media an, an observation window where someone is running with the first-team unit doesn't necessarily mean that person's going to be starting against South Florida. But they want, might want to have an observation, and evaluation to see, how does this guy do when he's with the top of the depth chart? for a day, and if he performs well, duly noted. Then it's something you can file away down the road, and you know that he could be a significant contributor coming up in, in 2023 and beyond. So fall camp, there a lot, uh, a lot to pour over. Practice is going to take place tomorrow afternoon. We'll have full coverage here on the podcast. So here's some of the roadmap of what I got going from a contact perspective so you're familiar with what's taking place. Going to have articles on kslsports.com. Going to have podcasts here on Cougar Tracks. Going to have video breakdowns on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. So stay tuned to that on the KSL Sports YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook pages. Also going to have podcasts on Cougar Sports Saturday. A lot of content. I mean, we're, we're going to, me, Matt Biamonte, my producer, Dallin Graff, he might be there as well. Uh, then, of course, I'm sure we'll have some of the KSL 5 TV crew. We'll have some of the KSL Sports Zone crew. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're, we're going to have you covered at KSL Sports with all the all your content needs at BYU Football Fall Camp because we do get some observation periods. We'll get about 20 minutes to view practice, which I think is pretty cool to see. Not many teams do that anymore. We still get a chance to watch the team a little bit. It's a far cry from the days of old when you go to fall camp just as a fan or uh, anyone. I mean, I remember the open fall camps as during the Bronco Mendenhall era and you'd be on the student-athlete building balcony just watching practice. Those were great. And there'd be like 1,500 people would show up to practice. I remember, too, going to Lavelle uh, practices in the Lavelle era and they'd always be open. And no one would go. It was craziest thing. It'd be me, my dad. Uh, it'd be, you know, a few other fans, maybe a handful. We'd watch foot, fall camp practice. I remember watching the, I think it was 98 team. It was with Federick, 99, 2000. It's, it's kind of crazy when you think about it, how much the college football world has changed over the last 20 years. The game's still the same. The paranoia has ramped up to just great heights to where now you just, you'll never see teams open the floodgates like that before. I mean, imagine now if BYU said, yeah, you can just roll into practice. They probably have thousands of people. 
with social media, the the ways to distribute that practice is open, they'd have thousands of people. It'd almost be a, a liability. So I get that. But uh, I sometimes do miss those days back of old when I'd go up to Lavelle and just, I'm a kid. I was a kid, like probably 10 years old, 11 years old. I'd go up to him and say, hey, coach, uh, my name's Mitch. Uh, I was just watching practice and wanted to know what's the status of, you know, Jonathan Pittman or <laughs> it just that was the things that we did back then. It's crazy. It's honestly crazy to think back on. That's what uh, fall camp used to be. Different times. I get that. But still a lot of fun covering BYU football. And we'll have you covered at kslsports.com. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Wilner Hotline had a new tidbit of info on Big 12, Pac-12 expansion. Let me just say, too, the start of fall camp and the start of the season, happily ready to shove expansion a little bit to the side. It's always going to have a cloud over the season this year, I believe, because ultimately expansion dictates the future successes of these programs going forward. So it's going to be a big storyline, but it's nice to be able to focus on football a lot more than TV money, grant of rights. I'm I'm getting sick and tired of talking all that, to be quite honest with you. But it's still a big story. Chris Hill, former Utah Athletic Director, talked to John Wilner, and he had this to say about the possibility of, say, Utah going to the Big 12. Chris Hill told the Wilner Hotline this. Quote, I see no benefit to somebody from the Pac-12 going to the Big 12, said Chris Hill. I see no benefit to somebody from the Pac-12 going to the Big 12. Uh, you know, I think there there is benefit uh, because, one, if you could get more money, he also goes on to say in the article that if they're making $35 million in the Pac-12 and they can only make and they can make $40 million in the Big 12, what's the difference? I think $5 million is a somewhat decent, decent difference. It's indifferent. It's it's not significant, but again, I've always said this is that the Big Twelve they care about their college teams. Without the LA market, without USC and UCLA, are ticket sales at the gate going to improve? Pac twelve fans have not been showing up when USC and UCLA were in the league. Is it going to suddenly increase? I don't think so. I think that the new Big Twelve is going to continue to stay steady with their attendance. Maybe see a spike because now you add BYU who will bring in 63,000 fans. Ticket sales have been off the charts for BYU. Uh, Fans are excited more than ever. UCF's excited more than ever. Again, I think that the the ultimate thing here is if if you're in Arizona or you're in Colorado and you're considering a move to the Big 12, you're wanting to take down the Pac-12. And the thing is, that's the smart move long-term because... You want to maximize your dollars, your potential TV revenue. I think that's the way to go. You got to take down another league. I think eventually we're going to see it, you know, I think probably two leagues playing for the playoffs. That's my belief. Big 10, SEC, 
But maybe there's a path for the Big 12 ACC to have some sort of access to the college football playoff. We'll see. But I thought it was noteworthy that uh, Chris Hill said that comment. Because I also think, too, that probably embodies a lot of what Utah probably thinks. That they want to stay in the pack. They don't want to be in the Big 12 because... If BYU was not in the Big 12, though, what would be their view then? If BYU wasn't in that league, I think they'd be more receptive, in my opinion, to want to go to the Big 12. But they don't want to be in the same league as BYU. And honestly, I don't think BYU should want to be in the same league as Utah. Brian Santiago, I think, said to BYU TV that they'd be okay with it. Game on, stuff like that. And I think BYU's always been about that. They just want the competition at the highest levels. But to me, I don't think the BYU-Utah rivalry needs to be played. I think you can just move on from it. I think that if you want to play it maybe twice every 10 years, great. That's fine. It's not a needed game anymore. Are you suddenly not excited for BYU football in 2023 when you don't have Utah on a Big 12 schedule or non-conference? I don't think so. I don't think the excitement's slowing down anytime soon. M. Morris, Big 12 is a better sports conference, no question. Who can pack ad to help? They have alienated too many programs with their non-sports requirements. Yeah, I mean, I think the pack still lives in a little bit of a fairy tale where they think they're, they're still trying to say academics this, cultural fit, geography. Come on. I mean, that's a nice fairy tale. But if you want to go geography, what is it, San Diego State? That's the slam dunk? Yeah, no, uh, they're not better than BYU, UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston. Not at all. Not even, not even a question. So the pack's in trouble. And if, if the pack wants to band together, because I bet Oregon and Washington, they don't want to go to the Big 12. They look down on the Big 12. They're in the plains. The, 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 the academic successes is not as high as the pack. I get that. But again, I think the on-field competition... The fan bases, it's better in the Big 12. And that's ultimately what we should be talking about. The still whole AAU and academic research, R1 research institution. Give me a break. Can you deliver audiences on a, tel- on a streaming platform? Big 12 fans will deliver that. BYU is going to deliver that. Anyway. BYU basketball. They have their final year of WCC play coming up. I'll just go real quick. Some tidbits on this WCC schedule. Let's just say WCC has served BYU well. It's been a good thing. It's given BYU a platform to continue its athletic sports, but I don't think anyone's going to miss it. Not one bit. In large part because of conference schedules like this. I can tell you till I'm blue in the face that this schedule is going to be tough. But at the end of the day, these brands don't conjure up anything for BYU fans. They just don't. Are you jacked for Thursday, December 29th, a WCC opener at Pacific? We all know it's going to be a grinder of a game. It's going to be tough. It's not going to help the metrics, though. It's always a no-win proposition. That's what's tough about the WCC. Because you go through the schedule, and I'm like, okay, what are the noteworthy games? Gonzaga on the or at home on a Thursday night, January 12th. A little bit earlier than usual with Gonzaga coming to the Marriott Center. Good game, though. At San Francisco, at Santa Clara, revenge opportunity. I mean, those are good games. But again, I think the casual BYU fan, 
on surface, like, are they roping off two and a half, three hours of their night to watch that? I don't know. Like, that's the thing that I'm excited about with the Big 12. Because I feel like having seen and covered this program very closely, I can kind of see what, what spots BYU fans are really excited about in a basketball season. It's kind of same with football, but football is different. It's, it's the ultimate build-up sport. Basketball, though, there's almost like more excitement in the non-conference because of some of the marquee brands that Pope always schedules. And then in WCC play outside of Gonzaga's and St. Mary's, it's, it's like pulling teeth to get people excited for these games. It's a tough league. It's going to be really good this year again. But it's just still, I mean, then you, then you dangle Big 12 play and you go, oh, Baylor, oh, Kansas, TCU. You win any game in that league, one, you get rewarded from a metrics, you know, our, uh, net rating, Ken Palm ratings. You're going to get rewarded. And then it's, it's a big deal. It's a great win. You know, going into Jenny Craig Pavilion will be tough. Steve Lavin's going to build up a very good San Diego program. He's getting into the mix with some talented recruits. But it won't impact positively on the net and probably Ken Palm unless they blow him out because, and it's just tough to blow out conference folks. It's just a tough situation. And I think that being in the WCC, I'm curious to see how maybe officiating and just like the overall structure of BYU in the league, uh, how it works with that. It just feels like sometimes when teams are outgoing, these leagues will kind of go, they're going to favor the remaining members a little bit when it comes to stuff. We'll see. But BYU's basketball schedule for WCC play is out. Non-conference still being worked on, as we heard from Mark Pope a couple weeks ago on the summer check-in podcast. If you missed that, I highly recommend you go listen to that. Mark Pope is pretty great talking about the outlook of BYU hoops coming up in 2022-2023. I think it's going to be a better team next year, younger, which I like because I think you want to build up to the Big 12 era. You can't assume that anyone is going to be there for more than one year, but at the same time, I think they got more versatility. And Jackson Robinson... A lot of buzz about him. But the the thing that Mark the things that Mark Pope was, was saying about Jackson Robinson, that is a good indication. If he can get that waiver to play next year, he is going to be an instant impact guy for BYU. To the likes of which uh, we haven't seen at BYU on that guard line in quite some time. But that's gonna do it for this edition of the Cougar Tracks podcast. A little bit shorter episode today. Got some BYU football stuff to tackle on the website again. Tomorrow, a lot of coverage coming to you from BYU Football Fall Camp tomorrow afternoon, so stay tuned for that. We will have you covered on all things BYU football coming up tomorrow here on Cougar Tracks. So stay tuned on kslsports.com. We will have you covered as the football season is here. Cougar football is back. Talk to you on Friday here on Cougar Tracks and also a check-in on Thursday as well. It's the Cougar Tracks Podcast, powered by kslsports.com. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do when a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything it was violent it was 
senseless, and I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story, the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.